Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, Friday, the 30th of July edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. As the free agency period is underway, Flyers have made some moves. It has been an extremely busy offseason for Chuck Fletcher and the Philadelphia Flyers. We're hoping to talk to Chuck Fletcher on this very podcast next week. Uh, let me tell you what's coming up in this episode real quick. We're going to talk with Flyers acquisition as a free agent, Martin Jones, goaltender. Of course, played with the San Jose Sharks with the LA Kings prior to that. He was bought out in San Jose, signs a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Flyers for $2 million. We'll talk to Martin in just a couple minutes. And also going to hear from former Flyer, former Ranger, former Columbus Blue Jacket, now current Blue Jackets TV analyst Jody Shelley going to join us in this episode to talk about Cam Atkinson, about the Columbus Blue Jackets, where Jake Voracek is headed, and much more. So we'll talk to Jody and get a lowdown scouting report on Cam Atkinson, as Jody spent many years in Columbus covering Cam Atkinson uh, throughout his career, seven to be exact, uh, along with John Tortorella. We'll get into that as well. Uh, that's what's coming up in this episode. What's coming up next week? Sam Moran's coming up next week. We've also got Daryl Williams, the newest Flyers assistant coach. We're going to talk to Elaine Vino coming up. Uh, we're going to talk with Kevin Hayes and Keith Yandel together. We're also going to talk with uh, another new acquisition and bringing in a face back to the Flyers, although we only spent a short amount of time here, Nate Thompson. We'll talk to him next week as well. So tons coming up here on subsequent episodes of Flyers Daily. The guys the Flyers signed in free agency, Nate Thompson, who I just brought up, uh, one of those signings, Martin Jones, who will appear on this episode of Flyers Daily, and also Keith Yandel. And Yandel, very interesting one, uh, bought out in Florida, has the consecutive games stre- uh, played streak uh, as well, needs 42 to uh, beat the record in the NHL, and uh, can't wait to talk to Keith Yandel, best friends with Kevin Hayes. The two of them together uh, should be an absolute riot. Sam Moran extended his contract. It's been a crazy week. Cam Atkinson's a flyer. Rasmus Ristolainen's a flyer. Ryan Ellis is a flyer. Nolan Patrick is not. Phil Myers is not. Shane Gostisbehere is not. A ton of turnover in this offseason. The dynamic has certainly changed. But let's get to our first interview right now. Yeah, the Flyers signed him after being bought out in San Jose. It is Martin Jones, and he joins us now on Flyers Daily. Martin, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing good. What went into uh, the decision to sign with the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, uh, leaving the West Coast and coming to the East Coast? Yeah. Um, well, well, honestly, I, you know, looking at uh, some of the moves that um, the Flyers have made in the offseason – you know, were very, very intriguing to me. Some of the pieces on the back end that they've added. Um, to me, it feels like a team that's that's really been on the cusp of, of breaking out and, um, you know, having some real success. And, um, you know, I just wanted to see if I could be a part of that. When you look at the the situation that, that you're, you're leaving in San Jose, your defensive environment wasn't um, the greatest there. And you're coming to a situation, the defensive environment wasn't good here last year, but you mentioned the changes that they made. Uh, I guess there's some predictability that this is going to be an improved defensive environment. For sure. To, to, to me, it seems like a team that's, um, you know, kind of saw what the issue was last year and, and has addressed it and um, is really, you know, making a, a considered effort to, um, to fix it and, and to, to play a, a different brand of hockey, which, um, you know, hopefully leads to a little bit more success. 
Yeah, structure is so key for a goaltender. Martin, let me ask you about um, some familiar faces that uh, are here, and uh, Dean Lombardi and Kim Dillabaugh. How much did they kind of play a factor in this decision for you as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, working with Kim for for you know almost five years uh, during my time in LA. Um, you know, we obviously had a great relationship and worked really well together. So, um, you know, that was obviously a, a big factor, especially, you know, coming off some, uh, you know, not so great seasons. I wanted to, um, you know, work with a guy that I'm familiar with and that I know can, can help me uh, along the way here. What are you looking to kind of change about your game or, or get back into your game? Is, is it structure? Is there some rotation? What is it about in your game that you really want to, uh, kind of redial in in a new situation here in Philly. Uh, well, for me, I mean, a, a lot of the, the summer has just been trying to get back to basics. Um, you know, making sure I'm moving with good structure. Um, you know, so much of the game now is is lateral and it's very dynamic, and um, just making sure I'm I'm moving with structure and and uh, under control there's an efficiency to that right with all this you've seen it over your career all this east west stuff across the cross ice passes and stuff you have to have so you can't have wasted movement you have to be efficient right absolutely yeah no absolutely that's that's uh that's the name of the game is um hitting your spots efficiently and and uh and under control yeah being there and being square when that when they're going to release that shot let me ask you about uh your conversations with chuck fletcher um, you know, this is an interesting season. We just came off, off two really interesting seasons, a shortened one, and then obviously this year a condensed schedule. Uh, but next year, although it's 82 games, it is still going to be condensed because of this Olympic break. Um, did Chuck Fletcher give you any indication what kind of workload you'd be looking at here uh, to be working alongside Carter Hart? Uh, no, I, th- I think um, I think the season sort of dictates that. Uh, my, my job is to come in and and push Carter and um, and vice versa. And, and if we're doing that and creating a, a competitive environment, um, that's going to benefit both of us and, and the team as well. Uh, what do you know about Carter? Because um, you're a British Columbia guy. He's not too well, not too close either. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he comes into the league at 20 years of age. He's going to turn 23 here in a couple of weeks. Uh, what do you know of the young goaltender? What, what ways can you help him as well? Um, Other than yeah, just I, pushing I don't know him. Much. I, <laughs> yeah, no, I I, um, I don't know much. I, I I'm other than that, he's he's a very talented goalie, obviously, and um, I, I love watching him play. He's a really fun guy to watch play. The way he moves around the crease is um, is pretty impressive. So um, I think it's going to be a good situation for both of us. Uh, we can learn from each other and push each other, and and uh, hopefully create a, a good, healthy environment. You've played with different goaltenders in tandem over your years. Early with Jonathan Quick. Uh, this past year with, you know, a guy like Devin Dupnik and, and different guys over the years. Are you one of those guys, you know, watching your partner, seeing how he does things, or maybe he approaches things and going, okay, maybe asking some questions, you know, why do you do it that way? Or maybe adding some of those elements to your yeah. game and, and vice versa. Those conversations, I think, in a goalie room are very important. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I um, you know, I, I, I learned by, by watching and, um, you know, getting a front row seat to, to seeing some of these guys and, how they approach the game and how they practice and how they play. Um, you know, I think that's one of the best ways you can learn and, and uh, try and apply some of that stuff to your own game. So um, I'm excited. I, like I said, I, I love watching Carter play. He's, he's an impressive young goalie. So I'm looking forward to it. I imagine one of the things maybe you picked up in Jonathan Quick's game, other than just the, the freak athletic ability, which is still stunning to me, uh, but is that compete level 
that he brought game in and game out, and I imagined every practice as well. Yeah, that's, um, you know, especially early in my career, I, I thought that was um, probably the, one of the biggest lessons uh, in being able to watch a guy like Quickie uh, and the success that he had. That was, um, you know, as a young goalie, you know, you usually um, at the top of your league, wherever you're coming from, and, and, you know, when you get the bar gets raised and you're playing in the National Hockey League, um, to learn how to compete like that day in, day out is, uh, is a really uh, invaluable lesson. Yeah, and, and just seeing that, what it takes to succeed at that level. Um, do you know anybody in the organization, uh, any uh, guys that you've played with along the way that you, you can harken back to and, and connect with here before you make the move out of East? Uh, yeah, I played with uh, Brawny in, uh, in San Jose. Yep. Um, and, uh, and Giroux and, and Couturier in, uh, at World Championships one year. So, Have you heard from a few uh, of the guys, guys already? Uh, yeah, just uh, obviously a lot's been going on this morning, but a few guys have reached out already, so... Um, yeah, just looking forward to it. Last thing for you. Uh, you, you live in North Vancouver. It's where you grew up. You played in San Jose and in LA on the West coast. Uh, what do you think about East coast living, man? Uh, I'm excited. I, I spent some time in, in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, when I was in the American league. Um, and I love the East coast. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a, a fun adventure for us. It'll be a lot different. That's for sure too. Hey, Martin, uh, congrats yeah. on the contract, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Stay well. And uh, we'll see you as soon as the season. It's really not that far away, is it? It's not. It's sneaking up on us. Thanks to Martin Jones for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. We appreciate that. And uh, he's had a, a pretty rough last couple of years, last three years to be exact, out in San Jose. Uh, in 2018-19, the last full season, Martin Jones had an 896 save percentage. As a matter of fact, the save percentage all of the last three seasons is 896. 294 goals against average, 3.00 goals against average, and a 328 uh, playing for San Jose. Now, that the environment in San Jose, like it was for the Flyers last year, was not good. Defensively, gave up the 30, gave up the most amount. They're 31 and giving up high danger chances. Not great defensive zone structure. And uh, I did a live stream the other day with Kevin Woodley from Ingle Magazine. You've heard Kevin on this podcast a few times. The good news is at the beginning of last year, the structure to Martin Jones's game had returned. It, it eroded over the season with a lack of practice time and playing behind that environment once again in San Jose. Uh, but maybe that is one of the reasons why the Flyers and Kim Dillaball, who's the Flyers' goaltending coach, uh, felt like he could get Jones's game back on track uh, with adding that structure back in, adding in those core elements of his game. Uh, Kim Dillaball worked with Martin Jones back in his days with the LA Kings, where he was the backup to Jonathan Quick in both 2013-14 and 2014-15, and actually worked with him prior to getting to the NHL as well. So Martin Jones, along with Carter Hart, is your goalie tandem this upcoming season. Uh, one of the big acquisitions, kind of where we started the week, was the acquisition of Cam Atkinson, the trade for Jake Voracek, one for one. We heard from Cam on Monday's episode. If you missed it, go back and check it out. He is fantastic and so excited to be here. If you missed Rasmus Ristolainen on Wednesday's episode, go back and check that out. Uh, very insightful interview and conversation I had with Rasmus Ristolainen. But right now, let's get some intel from a man who has been around Cam Atkinson uh, for pretty much his entire career. Former Flyer former Blue Jacket, current analyst for the Columbus Blue Jackets television network. It is former Flyer Jody Shelley. Jody, how are you? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, how's uh, your offseason been so far? You know what? It's been nice. Uh, we A lot of family time. 
uh, we have a camper and we spent a little time up in uh, upper New York and then down just south of you guys in, in Maryland and Virginia on the beach there. Um, we, we just tour around, so we've enjoyed that. But uh, it's been going fast like every summer, but it's been interesting to have a break like we had uh, and have some hockey last week and, and uh, to see teams make some moves and to get some excitement going here in, in the middle of the summer. You surprised at all by the amount of, of movement we're seeing? We didn't see a lot last year, so teams really didn't get that opportunity to reset their roster like they're used to. Flat cap world, but boy, we're seeing a lot of movement around the league. Yeah, I am. I'm. I am surprised. Uh, it's encouraging to see some teams completely change things up. Um, I mean, the two teams we're talking about here, Columbus and Philly, a lot of big changes, uh, but things had to be done. Flat caps. Uh, internal caps, teams being squeezed um, with their players. You know, when you look at Tampa and you see them lose Lanny, Yanny Gord, it's like, wow, that guy's a motor. You know what I mean? Um, but again, that's a guy that uh, a team that's stacked, and that's what happens. So um, it's surprising. And when you get a 32nd team in the league, you knew there was going to be some, but uh, now you're seeing organizations really cleanse themselves. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's exciting for some fan bases. How much do you think the fact that a team like Montreal that had the 18th best record in the league gets all the way to a final plays into it? That makes owners, I think, even more, uh, you know, lack patience because they go, well, they got to the final. And so it's not about being the best regular season team. Give me a team that can get into the playoffs and go on a run. And, uh, I mean, the amount of equity in your fan base, equity in your pot, everything. Is a, by, is a great byproduct of going to a final. How much do you think that plays into teams being even more aggressive? Well, I see that both ways. I could see some teams being like that, and I also see there's teams that have the ingredients that now sit back and say, you know, maybe it was um, – I mean, it was a strange season. The past two have been really weird as far as the bubble and the interaction the teammates were allowed to have, acquiring new players and, and not being able to socialize – except in the locker room, not getting to know your city. Uh, I think there's teams now that can sit back and be patient. And, you know, I don't live in the past, but I always reflect on some teams that have gone all the way to finals. And when I looked at the Flyers of 2010 uh, that took, that went all the way, they were supposed to be a front runner all season long that year, and they underperformed. And as they just squeaked in, they went all the way. And when you look at that roster that did go all the way and not just, just come up a little short to Chicago, you know, there's teams that feel like they're getting close. And I think that seeing Montreal do what they did and be kind of that potential with the goaltender and the leadership and, and adding some pieces uh, that clicked at the right time against the right matchups, you got to realize the amount of luck that's involved and the amount of mm-hmm. um, situations. You can look back at any team that's gone four rounds and they think of critical moments in key situations or a big save or a post or a shot that goes in, it's got to add up. So, um, you know, Tampa is one of those teams that, that is a powerhouse that's been built to be that. But you don't have too many of those. And, and I wouldn't say teams getting aggressive. I would say teams being patient and maybe staying with it and adding those pieces that they know just don't fit. When I think of that, when I think of the Philadelphia Flyers and some of the moves they've made, I, I think of that. I think that, you know, they like Giroux. They like what they've what they've had there. They know they've needed defensemen. Um, they're still working with their goaltending, but they think that they're going the right direction. 
And I think that's one of those teams in the upper third of the league. Uh, yeah, I always reference the save that Holpe makes in, in the you know on, on that trip for yeah. Washington to oh, win man. the paddle save, right? I mean, yeah, that's what I it mean, takes. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I always reference that one. L- let me ask you real quick because whatever you guys in Columbus did uh, a few years ago, I guess three seasons ago now, really pissed off the Lightning because now they've won back-to-back cups. And I think what the Columbus Blue Jackets did in that sweep, though, Joe, was they they showed them that you got to have some grit and you got to have maybe guys that aren't analytics darlings come onto your team and provide an element that they they lacked and they got they get Blake Coleman they get Barkley Goodrow they end up with Pat Maroon and they win two cups that's not a coincidence is it no it's not and you know teams you know you look back after you've won two and, and you pinpoint a spot where you had adversity and I, I get that you can credit the Blue Jackets but the Blue Jackets won that series after being down three nothing in Game One, which was, per- which was which everyone expected for that script to be, uh, was the Blue Jackets were going to get stomped, and uh, just like the Blue- the uh, Tampa buzz saw the regular season, they were going to buzz saw the Blue Jackets in the first round, and the Blue Jackets came back and won that game, and I watched that series slide and slip away from. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I, and I watched it up close, and I thought they're just—they were just arrogant enough to think that they could stick with their game plan and not adjust. That they were going to overpower the Blue Jackets, but the Blue Jackets said no way. They stuck with their game plan. The Blue Jackets had a game plan to not allow lateral passes in the neutral zone, keep things tight defensively. Uh, you know how much, how bad Tampa wants to make the cross ice pass wasn't there, and then frustration set in, and before they knew it. The series is over. And you go to the next year in the bubble, the Blue Jackets beat uh, Toronto in the playing round, and then they go five overtimes game with one. the Tampa Bay Lightning in game one. And, you know, you look back and wonder, uh, but but I look at the relief on Braden Point's face when he scored that goal. You could sense that Tampa was worried because when you have someone in your head, I don't care if you play tennis, golf, when they're in your kitchen – Boy, there's just something about trying to get them out of it. And, um, you know, you feel like Columbus had that that uh, presence standing right in their kitchen. Uh, and and when, when Tampa got that game, it was just it was too much for the Blue Jackets. So a lot there. But those are those are big moments for big teams. You're absolutely right. It's like all of a sudden they come out in the next game and they're not carrying a refrigerator on their back of, of exactly. worry. It, like, it's like when you play cards, too. You get in a hand with this one guy. You're like, oh, geez, this dude, he knows what I'm going to do. before I'm doing Then I'm trying to outthink him, and now I'm screwed. But yeah, anyway. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a few, few cards, you know, on the plane, a few rounds of cards. For yeah, you. that's right. There's been a few decks thrown across speaking, that plane. Speaking of a guy that may have uh, thrown some cards on the plane, Jake Voracek. He's now Columbus Blue Jacket in exchange for Cam Atkinson. Uh, you've been out there uh, covering the Blue Jackets for a while. Did you play with Cam, too? I know you played uh, with Jake here. No, I didn't play with Cam. I missed Cam. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Cam and what's coming to Philadelphia. Because I, I spoke to him the other day on my radio show, Jody. And, man, his, like, energy and vibe is so infectious. He was just so excited to be coming here. Of course, disappointed. And there's the range of emotions of being traded, which you've gone through. But the, the optimistic attitude, which, which from what I understand, he carries everywhere, uh, was awesome to see. You know what? Cam is a guy that that's lit up nationwide arena with his smile from time to time. And it's an image that, you know, I think the fans here will remember because 
Uh, you know, he his joy comes from you can you can tell when he's having fun. Everyone's having fun, uh, and he has fun scoring goals, making plays, being a, an important part of what's happening on the ice. Uh, he's got that when he's darting in and out of the play. Uh, he's got an ability to be a major threat, and I think that's what you need, especially on a power play. So. He's not a stagnant guy when he is, you know, he's just an average player, but when he's darting and moving his feet and playing that Cam Atkinson style, he's not a very big guy. He admired and got to know Martin St. Louis, a young man, uh, he helped him train and figure out where he fit in and how he could make the national hockey league. He doesn't have that big of a chip on his shoulder, but he's a guy who's got some shine on him and he's really, uh, learned a lot under torts. I think he was getting discouraged here with what they're doing and the direction they're going. And you're, you're going to get a guy who's rejuvenated and excited and he's going to see a fan base and he's going to feel the pressure. And um, I think it'll be good for Cam to be there. What What is, what is getting traded to do for him? To re, you just mentioned he's going to rejuvenate him. And he's leaving a situation where it looks like Columbus is clearly in a rebuild. He's 32. He's at that point in his career where it's like, okay, I want a playoff round, but I want to do some damage. I want to win-win. I want to go on a run and take a, take, you know, a big run at the, that big shiny trophy. So what does the move do for him from just an adrenaline and rejuvenation standpoint? You know what? I, it, it tr- when you get traded, uh, you almost treat it like a fresh start. But one thing you have to remember is they traded for you to be you. And, and I think that's great mm-hmm. advice I received when I first got traded was don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to be the guy that you think is, you know, the cool guy in the locker room or the, the guy. Don't reinvent that, just, yourself. Yeah, you can't. You got to bring exactly what you bring. And just thinking of that when you walk in the locker room brings you confidence because, you know, immediately it's like, yeah, that's probably what I'm best at is being myself. So when you get there and be able to do that, I see a guy in Cam who wants to be a part of a solution, uh, who wants guys to like, he's a compliment of peace. You know, Claude Giroux the middle. He's the man. He's the leader there. Uh, everyone follows Claude, but Claude's getting a guy here who's a gun. He wants to shoot. He wants to get the puck back. He wants to show you what he can do. So, um, it'll just bring a spark to them. It'll, you know, it's one thing when you train in a, in a city where you've played for 10 years and you're getting ready to get back in and you know what you are, you know where you fit in. You hope the other guys can keep up. He's now a guy who's pushing to keep up. It gives you that. Um, I don't know. It gives you, it gives you a lot of confidence that a team wanted you and came and got you, but it also boosts you a little bit in the fact that you're not complacent. You have to be great. You have to be even better uh, than you were here. Uh, and that's actually, after being someone for 10 years and being that age, it's not a bad thing. It's, uh, you know, it's probably was heartbreaking at first, but you're getting a guy who's going to get uh, a boost in a big way uh, to see how things are done there in Philly and to be a part of a, a lineup with Claude Giroux and, and to be a part of something a little different than here in Columbus. It, it's all different, like just driving to the rink. It's new roads. It's yeah. I'm not real comfortable. How do I get there? You know, GPS. It's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah, it's all fresh. It's new. It's and it's this opportunity to just start something else uh, when you've been in one place for ten years. How much of a factor does it help him that he knows some people here? He's, he knows JVR well. He heard from Claude. He, uh, he he's best friends with Scott Hartnell. Yeah, the families are really close. Yeah. And Scott, he still lives in Haddonfield. Yeah, that, that's good. I mean, you know, it's comforting. But, you know, I always like when I went to San Jose, I didn't know one person. And there, there's something to be said for that, too. You know what I mean? Um, but it is comforting to go like, you know, that that's Cam's a guy. It's important off the ice. He's his family. He's got uh, young kids. Uh, he's got connections with Hartnell and their young kids and their family, Katie and Scott. So 
Um, I think that's important for him to have that settled right away, actually. And that's a really good point because that's one thing when you're a young family, you don't have kids and it's just you and your wife and you want to find your own way. But for him to have that built in um, and, and for him to understand what it is to be a flyer right away from a guy like Hartnell and JVR, uh, that's a key component in the coming into Philly. Yeah, the other thing, too, is happy wife, happy life. She's yeah, coming yeah. here. She's already got friends, and there's yeah. a support system for her. Because while he's here to concentrate on hockey and be a pro, that other part does reside in your mind. It's, yes. oh, okay, are, is my wife or my kids settled, or are they going to be happy, and all of those things. And when you have that buffer of, of having some known elements, I think that's huge for the family, too. Oh, yeah, that's big. And then Cam's a guy that immersed himself in this community. Uh, he's going to be missed here because, you know, he really fit in well. And, and his family, we like to see him, uh, you know, show us his family and acknowledge his family. It's an important part of this athlete. So uh, for him to have that settled right away, knowing his best friend is there in Hartnell and some familiar faces, uh, that lets him get to hockey a little quicker, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a big element. We always have to remember that just because, and you were a pro athlete too, just because you're pro athletes doesn't mean you're not human. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And this is a pandemic too, you know? Like yeah. I talked to Ryan Ellis last week, and it, he was shocked and he was stunned, and he spent his whole career in Nashville, and now it's, okay, I got to get from Hamilton, Ontario. I got to figure out how to close up shop in Nashville. I got to find yeah. residents there, schooling kids, all of that stuff. It's all while, you know, a lagging pandemic. <laughs> it's yeah. not easy. That's right. No, no, it's in... And then, you know, you read the negative stuff, you read the reactions. I mean, it's, it's easy to say that you don't pay attention to it, but, um, you know, these athletes, they know what's being said. They know how That's people feel nature. about things. Yeah. So, so, you know, you're up and down with that too. So there's a lot in that pot that uh, gets, that's mixed around that, you know, we get to see them try their best and do their best as teammates on the ice and the lights are on, but yeah, there's a lot behind the scenes that need to be kept clean for them to be at their best. Chuck Fletcher has been really transparent, Jody, about uh, his feelings on the group and why he's making the changes he's making because he's, he used the word malaise. There's a malaise, slow starts to games that's been going on mm. since he's been here and allegedly prior uh, to change the dynamic. All three guys that he traded for in Rasmus Ristolainen, Ryan Ellis, and Cam Atkinson wore a letter on their jersey. They, they're mm. guys with character. Uh, as a guy that – and I've talked to your teammates and I covered you when you were here – Mm -hmm. um, your teammates loved you. You were mm -hmm. a team team guy, a great teammate, a great support system, whether you were in the lineup or not. And it mm -hmm. wasn't about protecting guys. It was about being a good man and a good citizen. Is that where we're getting with Cam? Yeah, Cam, Cam yeah. He's, he's not going to protect anybody, but. <laughs> no, no. Cam is a very good guy. He's a guy that encourages and helps and works hard, and he can lead by example. Um, you know, the accountability that Jake, I thought Jake, did a good job of being an honest, accountable, passionate guy um, that would say things that sometimes needed to be said. I thought Jake grew into that role. Uh, I think, I don't know Ellis very well. Um, I'm not sure if he's quiet. I don't know how Cam does in the locker room in those moments that you need to hear it. Um, but maybe Ristolainen is, you know, that's a dynamic you might miss a little bit with Jake, yeah. but with Cam, you're going to, you know, there's a, there, I think there's a major respect level for him walking in. And especially for Drew, I think that that's a, that's a key part there is for Drew to respect. And especially, you know, you talk about Cam knowing Hartnell. Well, Drew knows Hartnell well, too. And, and to have that endorsement and probably to hear the, the excitement from Scott Hartnell and to hear what he's getting, uh, 
that's an, that's a little little uh, spark too for Claude Giroux, which is a big deal. For a guy that scored 41 goals in this league, 35 another season in a couple of the last four yeah. seasons, to be as good of a penalty killer as he is, I think is even is more impressive. A lot of times those guys that score like that, Joe, they, they, yeah. they don't want any part of killing penalties. That's right. I mean, and he that's you got to credit John Tortorella. He's put him in that situation. He put him the, the game before Torch got here uh, seven years ago. I think Cam Atkinson with a health was a healthy scratch, and he didn't miss a game under Torch. And it was a you know it wasn't a redirection, but it was a little bit of a take the next step as a pro because you know defense is a big part of the system. Now when you have Bobrovsky in that, you can cheat a little bit, and Cam would exit the zone before that shot needed to be blocked, or it's, as he anticipated a turnover to get everyone pushed back. Uh, but he understands below the puck. He understands, you know, the the details and the importance of making those plays before you do exit the zone. So, and penalty kill him taught him that. Taught him that. So, yeah. uh, smart move by John Tortorella, but even better for Cam Atkinson to buy in and make sure it worked. Yeah, he had five shorties last year. The Flyers had none. And it, there it was, you go. The the PK was <laughs> it was a nightmare. Um, let me ask you, Columbus, they're in the division. You know, we're going to see Jake yeah. Borchek in Philly a lot. You're going to see Cam Atkinson in Columbus a lot and vice versa. Um, you know, how's Jake going to fit in there in this situation where it looks like Columbus is going through a rebuild and so many guys have less. I don't know what the future is for Patrick Line. Uh, he's got a qualifying offer that's going to need to be signed this week. Mm-hmm. How's Jake going to fit in out there? But Jake will be good. I mean, Jake on the ice is going to be a guy that's got to get Patty the puck. Bjorkstrand, the puck, uh, you know, two right-handed shooters. You know, I think a line A right away. I don't know if line A's played with a player like Jake Vorchek. Jake's a, a, a guy from Czech uh, who sees life through, you know, I wouldn't say rose-colored glasses, but he's got a great outlook on life. And that's what that's what the admiration uh, his teammates, well, that's why they hold him in such regard is because uh, things will bother him, but but not for long. And if they do bother him, you want to give him a hug to help him to get back on track. He's that type of emotional guy. Uh, he'll tell you to your face that you're doing the wrong thing or why would you do that or why would you say that or what what are you trying to do out there or, you know, whatever it is. So there's a there's a refreshing accountability that he brings. Um, I think there's a lot of respect for him from line A, and I think line A is a big deal here to get, you know, to, to get comfortable and get moving with that shot. So, I think that's the project for Jake is to be that guy that um, can show guys how to be a different kind of pro, a pro that uh, approaches things serious. Because, you know, the the great thing about Philly is that you know your fans love you and you respect them, the fans, so much for how much passion and pressure they they put on you. And you really feel it on off days and and, and days at the rink. So uh, Jake leaving that environment hopefully brings a lot of that into that locker room. Uh, where it, where he expects a lot out of these players, and but also is refreshing. And I think he's a unique personality in the National Hockey League. And I think one that'll help a lot of these young players, um, you know, understand how it's not the end of the world, but you better be better tomorrow uh, when it is time to, to read for the redo. So um, I see him do, do great things on the ice and off the ice for this for this team. I think he's at a good spot because he's grown up a lot, uh, and I think that this is the uh, this is a good moment for him. It's always nice to be able to play long enough to be that older voice, to realize that everything you do is watched and listened to. Uh, and Jake has an opportunity to do that here in Columbus. Yeah, you can carry a, a high level of responsibility with a team. And 
Um, yes. You know, so Columbus has been so crazy from Vrovsky and Panarin and, and the guys over the years. Now Seth Jones is gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, what does it do for a guy, you know, that's still there? Uh, you know, a young player. I mean, you got a great defenseman still there. What? How does yeah. he move forward seeing all the loss that's taken place over the last couple of years and, and try and keep, you know, keep driving forward as a player? Yeah. You mean Warinsky? Yeah, I mean, Zach Warinsky's a dynamic player. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know Zach's mindset. I mean, he's a guy who left Michigan and went to the American League and won a Calder Cup with a lot of these guys who just left. Um, I look at Bjorkstrand, who just signed a five-year deal. Um, you got to realize now these guys are going to get major opportunities, and I'm not sure where Zach Warinsky's at. I mean, is he the next one to leave? We don't know. We don't know. Um, but... These are players that are right now a part of something where they're going to see young guys come in and relish and cherish the opportunity to play in the National Hockey League and grow under a uh, looks like a thorough coaching staff, uh, you know, with an organization that's looking to the future, which means that we're not talking about five, six years away. We're talking about hopefully quicker than that. So that's I don't know what these athletes are thinking, because it's been like a blink of an eye and they had swept Tampa and looking to the future. Um, and uh, and and building with that group, but now that group is completely completely gone. So um, I'd, I'd imagine there's a little bit of heartache, but uh, I guess at the end of the day, you just look at it and think, boy, I have an opportunity to uh, impact this organization and, and help them long term. Um, as a broadcaster, media member now, anytime you have the ability to cover or associate with John Tortorella, it's never boring. No, it's great. Seven years, I, I love him. I. Yeah. I think he's so refreshing. I think he's good copy. I think he's a good coach. I think, he, I, from what I understand, guys that have played for him, and you would know, that uh, they respect the hell out of him because oh, you yeah. always know where you stand, and, and it's it's not complicated what he's preaching. And right. it's about the team. It's it's never about yourself, and that's the game too. But uh, what was it like with Torts for seven years? Uh, it was awesome. I played for him in New York, so I, I, he was my best coach I had. I, we came at the right time, refreshing accountability. I love how he would talk about the standard, and he would talk to people, and they would, he'd say they'd throw around the, the word accountability, but you know, it's a lonely place to be when you have to hold players accountable and people accountable. And, you know, it's not like a, you know, people don't understand it right away, but he set the bar and held everyone to that bar and made them earn their ice and. Um, it's uh, it, it was great, and he came to an organization that needed exactly what he brought at the right time. So, um, it was fun, uh, it was interesting, but it was it was just uh, I don't know, it was something that we're, I'm glad everyone here got to experience because I think all these players will be better for it. Does he, does he teach what I what I always call true accountability? Accountability when you look in the mirror. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. what it's about, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like. You know, sometimes you need to be told once, but but after that, it's on you. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. So he did, he was very good at that. Um, last thing for you, how you liking the broadcast life? I love it. I You're enjoy so it. good at I mean, it, man. Oh, I appreciate that, Jason. I mean, I didn't think I would enjoy it um, as much as I do, but I really do. It's a great way to stay around the team. Um, you know, you get to travel with the team. You get to be a part of uh, the organization. Uh, and it's fun to be the, the voice that people rely on to bring you the, you know, the honest, 
the honest feel of the team. You know, it's 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 not about. I am a fan of the team. I am a fan of hockey, but there's a reality and an honesty that I think our fans appreciate. All all the hockey fans appreciate, and I enjoy bringing that to them. So it's it's been fun. Yeah, you're a great conduit uh, for for the fan base as well. So. Jody, I appreciate the intel on everything Cam Atkinson and much more. Uh, I'm glad you're doing well. We'll see you this season because hopefully we're back to normal. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. See you down there in NBA Warners. Uh, I'm preparing for the broadcast, and you're doing the same. So uh, be well, man. Thanks for doing this. All right, you too. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll see you in, the, uh, in a few months there at uh, Wells Fargo. Thanks to Jody Shelley. Thanks to Martin Jones. And thanks to you for listening to this episode of Flyers Daily. Like I said, a lot of great interviews, a lot of great guests coming up. Uh, on this podcast next week as well. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday's edition of Flyers Daily.